0: Two years after Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, President Volodymyr Zelenskyy has revealed that 31,000 Ukrainian soldiers have been killed in the war so far. At a news conference in Kyiv, he refused to give details on the number of wounded, saying such information would help Russia. Meanwhile, the defense minister, Rustem Umarov, told a news conference that the slow delivery of arms and ammunition was causing both a loss of Ukrainian lives and land. Earlier, I spoke to drones and military expert Federico Bonsari from the Center for European Policy Analysis in Washington, D.C. He told me that the lack of ammunition is one of the major challenges the military face, meaning they're relying on other tools such as drones.
1: Of course, you know, using drones uh, in this case, for instance, is quite different from using, you know, artillery shells. And this means that the lack of ammunition is preventing Ukraine from delivering effects against Russian uh, units that are attacking now and, you know, delivering much more effective results against against the russians uh, at the same time i think another challenge for ukraine uh, is in their problems to compensate for uh, you know casualties they have uh, issues with you know staffing uh, their units because of you know casualties because of you know wounded soldiers that are not able to fight and and this means that without uh, a much more aggressive you know mobilization uh, campaign it's difficult for ukraine to to replace uh, losses in terms of manpower. Uh, and the opposite goes for Russia, uh, because we know that Russia is now pushing quite a lot of, of new units, new recruits, basically along the entirety uh, of the front. And and this means that that often Ukrainians find uh, outnumbered uh, and overwhelmed in terms of manpower. So I think these are the two main challenges that that Ukraine faces now. But at the same time, I would say uh, there is also a a mismatch in terms of, you know, air power and the Russians have been able to uh, again redeploy their, their air power much more frequently along the front line, especially in certain areas and in certain sectors, especially uh, in the south, in Zaporizhia and Donetsk, Oblast. in these two areas, especially the Russian Air Force is, is quite active and is using, you know, GPS-enabled uh, bombs to, you know, deliver quite significant effects on, on, on uh, Ukrainian defenses. Uh, on the other hand, the Ukrainians are... Forced to, uh, you know, use a much more cautious approach with w- when it comes to the use of of their air force, because uh, they have a lower availability of of platforms and systems, and so they, they are, you know, uh, they they want to preserve uh, a bit of their air force, but sometimes this means that they cannot deploy it. And for units on the ground, it's much more difficult to fight, you know, against an enemy that you know has so much overwhelming a- a- equipment in terms of numbers. I would say not in terms. quality because we know ukrainians now are in terms of quality are reaching in many at many levels the the western standards but at the same time the numbers are quite a disadvantage for ukraine at the moment
0: looking at for example the, the the aid package that we have waiting in congress at the moment how much do you think that will be having an effect on the war in ukraine as well
1: Well, I mean, we have seen the effects of that already. Uh, Avdivka was, I think, for a large part, was the result of lack of ammunition because in Avdivka, the Russians were able to basically uh compromise the position of Ukrainians in the city by attacking north and south of the city and creating this cauldron in the town. Uh, so Ukrainians were basically almost you know surrounded, but they were unable to respond to Russian attacks because they had to uh basically they were rationing uh ammunition.
0: Back here in New Zealand, the Ukrainian community is still working tirelessly to help with war efforts. Yuri Gladun is from the Ukrainian Association of New Zealand. He told me the community is feeling both a mixture of grief and hope.
2: We start days and finish days uh, with looking for good news. Unfortunately, there's not too many good news now. But what we're feeling is one thing. Uh, what we are doing, that's another thing. Uh, the Ukrainian communities all around New Zealand, we, we work to collect money. We work to increase awareness. We work to, uh, to help our home country. Every uh, city or even township, we have larger or smaller Ukrainian communities and, and we do what we can. Because obviously, on one side, we are privileged to live here in New Zealand, uh, a very quiet, peaceful lives. On the other hand, everybody of us probably feels a little bit of shame that we are here, we don't suffer, and they do.
0: Is it difficult to keep that momentum going, you know, making sure that uh, Ukraine is at the forefront of people's minds?
2: Yes, it is very difficult. And you would understand this, you know, people's nature, we don't like bad news. We don't like hearing about people being killed, uh, towns being destroyed, uh, and so on and so on. So those who are not directly touched by those Ukrainian events, they kind of probably subconsciously try to avoid it. And you, as the media representatives, closely monitor those uh, feelings and obviously, that is why it's now, these days, it's very hard to awake that interest again. And obviously, some other events all around the world, first of all, the uh, Middle East and Gaza and and so on. So uh, people's attention are split between very many things, and people choose what they want to choose.